What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on SureDog.com. Uh, and today I'm looking ahead to UFC 275. You know, normally I'm here looking at Bellator, I'm looking at the PFL. But none of those big events this uh, weekend. We'll be back next weekend uh, with those. But today I want to look at a couple of fights. And the two big fights at UFC 275... Um, the lads will have the breakdown of the full card up on Sherdog. Uh, Shillian and Duffy do a great job of breaking all that down. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to step on, on their toes. I want to talk a little bit about the top two fights, but I also want to talk about like the divisions and maybe the, the similarities between the 125 pound division that could become a thing in a while and what we have at 205 pounds right now obviously with the main event being the 205 pound title between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohachka with the co-main event being the 125 pound title in the women's uh, side of the sport on the line as Valentina Shinko takes on uh, Talia Santos this is obviously over in Singapore next uh, next Saturday I believe it's on at the normal time for the US uh, viewers uh, which is very unfortunate for me because I thought it would be on at normal time for me, but um, and they never do. They never do me any favors, do they? Although the card last weekend, I thought was clashing with, with real sports over here, so uh, I, I won't give out too much. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's normal time, I believe, this weekend, and you can check on on Sherdog.com and I'm sure other places as well to find out uh, all uh, all you need to, to to go and watch it. But let's talk about the divisions first, and then I'll talk about the. Um, the fights and the, the the fighters themselves in the fights a little bit. So what we have in the two hundred five pound division at the moment is kind of the space eradicated by John Jones, if you want to put it that way. And for a long time, uh, we had the division where John Jones was a part of it, even when he wasn't a part of it. Like a similar sort of things happened with McGregor at one forty five at uh, that time. You know when he went up to one fifty five, and you know he fought Diaz and he was out uh, and and things like that, where everyone talking about him holding up the division and even if John Jones hadn't the same sort of chat about him I think the fact that he was in the division while out with Usada or while you know not fighting or while talking about going to heavyweight or whatever it might have been the conversation was always around him like at 145 when the conversation was always around McGregor or you know if, if it's you know whoever it might be at, at the very top of the division especially if it's a massive name or especially if it is a long reigning champion like Jones or like Shashinko, uh when we uh, you know when we talk about the women's 125 pound division but then Jones went and division has kind of opened up a bit now and the same thing happened you know this is this is a, an age-old story I suppose in the UFC it happened with GSP when he went and we had the Johnny Hendricks Robbie Lawler um, you know uh, and, and then Wonderboy and Woodley and all of that straight after that it opened up for the other people in the division and you know when Anderson Silva left as well or got beaten even by Chris Weidman and we do Grockhold and you know, Bisping and Whitaker and Adesanya and all of that. So these divisions do open up when someone leaves. And I think that's what we've had here. Um, and instead of having maybe title fights where even if there's a really good guy coming up, say someone like Yuri Prohachka, you're going to probably favour John Jones. And most people will be favouring John Jones. And even if it's a close fight, say like the fights between uh, John Jones and Thiago Santos uh, and uh, uh, who's the other guy, Dominic Reyes as well, in his last couple of fights, it's still kind of written off a little bit or even coming into the fights they might be written off even the Gustafson fight you know the first fight it didn't do that many pay-per-view buys because a lot of people didn't expect Gustafson maybe to, to do much to him a lot of people who aren't in the know anyway but now you know Glover against Blahovic in the in the last fight or even Blahovic against Adesanya as well there was 
favourite People thought uh, You know Knew who they thought Might win And I would say Probably in both of those fights Maybe I'm not I don't have the betting Lines in front of me Now at the moment But I would say The underdog in both of those One if I'm not If I'm not mistaken Maybe, maybe I'm wrong now But um, They were both close fights anyway And we come into the game Here and now in Glover And we have him against Prashka and it's, and it's another one of those I think like I'd probably favour Prashka I think other people would as well And as I said We'll get to that in a second But There is that unknown There is that kind of you know the divide that has been left by John John, and, and it's no longer John John's been, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in the division, and then fighting one again, and then fighting three again, and then fighting four. It's not that. So that for the division, I think, is good. Now for the division overall, not to have John Jones, is it good? Or for we we'll get the Shevchenko in a second to not have a Shevchenko, to not have a McGregor, to not have a GSP, and you know McGregor is obviously he wasn't the long reigning, but he was the the guy in the division that they're all called now. You could say the same maybe even for Habib, even though he wasn't long reigning uh, either. Uh, but it, that division has really kind of got a, a G up. Because of the void left by Jones, and even guys say like an Anthony Smith and like Glover Teixeira's champion now, who had lost to John Jones, are able to get another runner. And even you know, even if uh, maybe even if they weren't fighting great before that, the fact that Jones is kind of gone, I think mentally gives them something that goes, well, John Jones is probably going to beat me, yes, but what about the rest of them? Maybe not so much. And now the, the, the reason I'm saying this and maybe the correlation between that and 125 pounds is what if the same thing happens with Valentina Shashinka? What if she goes, you know, what if she relinquishes her title at 125 pounds, goes up and fights, you know, wh- whether it's um, whether it's Juliana Pena or whether it is um, uh, uh, Amanda Nunes for the title, you know, fighting Amanda Nunes again. Uh, it would leave that void for you know maybe some other people to uh, to get a go in that division if you want to get put it that way or to to get a go as champion. I know I was, I was talking. I did my do my state of the UFC over in Severe. Make them listen to that now for free over in our RSS feed there with uh, Spencer Kite two weeks ago or, or ten days ago even. We were kind of talking about the vis- that division and talking about how it's kind of improving a little bit. And you know, you have the likes of Manon Fiero, Viviana Rujo. I think a lot of her. I think she's very good. You know, we Tyler Santos fighting this weekend, but you also have some good people coming through. Like Casey O'Neill is a very good prospect. Tracy Cortez, I thought she fought very well a couple of weeks ago. And like, let's say if you didn't have Shevchenko at the top of that division, all of those people, you know, maybe someone will be able to come and shock someone. Let, let, let's say if, you know, let's say Tyler Santos was the champion now. Look, like if you had Jessica Andrade against Tyler Santos, you know. That, that's Jessica Andrade would probably be favourite for that fight if you had Jennifer Maya going up against her maybe again if you had people you know like Cynthia Calvillo making a run or like Casey O'Neill coming up or like Tracy Cardiff it opens up for all of them whereas while uh, Valentina Shevchenko is there the division is very much closed for all of those people and it very much from look from their point of view I'm sure they think they can win these fights but from the fans point of view from the um, media members point of view we're kind of talking about these fights in a way, we, well, we kind of have to talk about it because it's title fight, but there's not that much competition in it. We don't think there will be anywhere. No, Tyler Sanders come out and win this weekend. Let, let's be honest here. It's, we've seen it happen before. Look what uh, Juliana Pena did to Amanda Nunes. So it's not beyond, beyond the realms of possibility. This is mixed martial arts. But that is being the general after the battle, as the great Artem Labov once said. We talk about MMA beforehand. We predicted, and, and not just that we predicted, this is a pay-per-view over in, over in the States. People have to buy this. So forget about the main event for a second. But if you're buying it for the co-main event, or if you're looking at it, maybe I want two great title fights before I'm going to put my 70 quid out there and pay for it. And you look at this and think, well, who, who, first of all, who is Tyler Santos? 
You know, she hasn't had that many fights in the UFC. She isn't on some great, like, historic run or anything like that. For the outsiders, now I think people in the know know she's a good fighter. And as I said, I will talk about that more in a second. Uh, but with, does she seem going into the fight like someone who is worth the money to pay for if you're an American viewer who has to pay for a pay-per-view. I would say most people would say no. Now, having said that, it might be a great fight, and she might win. But we're talking about the decisions made beforehand. And that is, while it's great to have a domineering fighter at the very top, and I love watching Valentina Shevchenko fight, I watch her fight, number 1 to 15 I'm looking at in the rankings here in front of me one after the other and I'd be happy to do it because she's such a great fighter and I'm happy to see her beat everyone going along and I'm happy to see someone you know, beat her maybe as well because if someone beats her you know they're a good fighter the same with Demetrius Shanson the same with John Jones the same with Anderson Silva whoever it might be um, but there is no denying that when they go when they vacate that position it opens up the you know it, it opens up to everyone else you know it, re- it really really does and you could see a few different people holding titles and a few different people becoming you know becoming the champion or challenging for the title or coming back to challenge for the title that they once challenged for before when the unbeatable person at the very top is kind of gone and has vacated that position so i think that is something to look for look for in these two divisions going forward and if the 125 pound division does turn into that I actually think it's a division and I wouldn't have said this probably a year ago or something but I think it's a division that could prosper and a division that could look better than uh, you look better than it is right now and you know it's weird to say that the best fighter by far in the division is kind of holding it back a bit but it it, it feels like it is and it's not none, none of that is her fault you know it's her fault because she's so good but you get what I mean look at John Jones it was his fault because he was so good but now he's gone everyone kind of uh, beat each other or have the hope of beating each other or have the fans hope that one person can win the fight like Prahachka versus Teixeira let's get into it like who will win the fight straight up I'm not sure I'm, I'm honestly I'm, I'm really really not sure and let's let's maybe break it down a little bit because I'm a big fan uh, of this fight I, I there's there's probably no one covering MMA who is a bigger fan of Glover Teixeira I think or a, a bigger advocate of his skill sets I think he is probably the most underrated wrestler ever we've seen in MMA and I mean, when I say that now I absolutely mean that this guy has taken down some of the biggest and best he is really smart with his takedowns um, he he's times them really really well and not just times them in terms of you know dips down and gets under and times it well like that he times it well in the round he times it well in the fight he times it well in the the kind of the running of the fight and I don't think he's honestly given enough credit for that because when people maybe not maybe not as much anymore but when people were um, analysing Glover Teixeira and now not you know the good analysts did it all but in general I think a lot of people talked about him as, oh, you know, he's a striker. He needs to keep it on the feet. You know, he need, he's you know he's a knockout power and a good boxer and things like that. And you know, they probably had in and he can wrestle too. You know, he's a bit of jiu-jitsu. But I actually think as like a, an all-rounded wrestle boxer, if you want to put it that way, not in the Tyron Woodley or Josh Koscheck sense of the word, maybe, but. Uh, I think he's very, very good, and he's really, really underrated. And talking about the fight this week, my partner over in Severe, May Graham uh, McDonald, we were kind of discussing our discussions on Glover Teixeira throughout the years and how 
smart he is at doing certain things and, and not just the takedown in the fight but he'll make it difficult for you know he get that that bald 5am shadow in his hair and like stick it into your face when the fight's on the ground and make it dirty and make you tired but while also kind of biding his time like if you look at Glover over uh, like that Prohashka fight Graham made a great point to me on the podcast he broke Gamblehovich like he broke a guy who broke Adesanya if you want to put it that way you know he broke a guy who's been fighting on probably one of the well, shadow of it out I would say the toughest uh, local scene if you want to put it like that over in Poland and then came up in the UFC and, and had tough fights lost and won and stuff like that and he broke that guy you know he choked out Tiago Santos he broke Anthony Smith as well and then we you know we can talk about all his fights before that down through the years beat Cannonier, beat Rashad Evans beat Ryan Bader the, the double champion over in Bellator and even going back to Rampage Jackson and his early fights like Glover has been fighting since since God was a boy back in 2002 what is it what, what have we now 20 years fighting for 20 years you know we all well maybe Maybe we don't all remember. People should remember he had problems getting into the country. With he, you know, he was training with Chuck Liddell, but then he went home to Brazil and couldn't get back because of visa issues and different things like that. It's been a real tough road for uh, for Glover Teixeira, and I think all of that has added in and has shown what fighter he has become today because he's become a wonderful fighter and a smart fighter and a very, very tough and hard-to-beat fighter as well. Um, and coming in here against Yuri Prohachka, he, I think a lot of people will probably rule him out. I think a lot of people will. I think a lot of people will look at Yuri Prohachka uh, and say, like, oh, this is the new up-and-coming guy. This is the the next flavor of the month, and this old guy is going to get beaten by him. Um, and you know what? Look, I don't know who will win the fight. I'm just looking at the, the odds here. Yuri Prohachka is almost um, a two-to-one favorite, and obviously we'll talk about him more in the betting show. But that just shows you, you know, Glover Sarah around plus 170 here at the moment, uh, as I record this early in the week, for uh, for that fight. So you, you can tell already that people are picking his opponent. He is the champion. He's the guy who's done all this to earn, and, and earned all of this. And he's still in that position where he is the underdog. Now... Maybe maybe that's fair, maybe it's not, but still, that, that is the position we're talking about right now at the moment. And I, I, I just feel like maybe we need to show a little bit more respect to, to Glover to share it. But having said that as well, Gary Prohachka is, is a fantastic fighter. He is a brilliant fighter. And I want to talk about this matchup in a second because it's it's a really fascinating matchup to me. But if you look at Prohachka and his record over the last few years, you know, a lot of people watching him before me over and Risen and those cards, like I'm I'm in a part of the world now where I managed to watch Cage Warriors and I watched some of the, obviously the KSW and the UFC and the PFL, but Risen has just won for me recently and a lot of the hardcores listening to this will probably say, well, what are you doing? But I, I just, I, I've watched obviously some reason, but like, it's just a, such a bad time for me and I watch so much more MMA. Risen is a thing I can't, just make myself get into now because my life has already been ruined enough by MMA as anyone uh, watching uh, this video on this side of the world will probably know. So I, I didn't see that come up, but I heard, I saw guys like Rebecca Aitman talking about him and I watched some of these fights, obviously, and the, the, the guys that he's beaten that have kind of made their way from Risen maybe or made their way to Risen at the time uh, is, is brilliant. Like, 
a few of them Maldonado obviously probably a little bit past the prime at that time 2019 King, Lua, uh, King Mohamed Lawal maybe as well but uh, he beat Bruno Capeloza and anyone who listens to any of my Sheehan shows knows how high I am on Bruno Capeloza I think this guy is one of the best heavyweights in the world he beat Carlisle Braxton who's a very 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 good fighter beat Vadim Nimkov who a lot of people could argue right now with John Jones out of the way is the best uh, two or five pounder in the world, and he not he didn't just beat him. I I spoke about um, Glover breaking people. He broke Nimkov. Nimkov literally. I watched that fight the other day. He could not get up. You know, I, I think it was a ten minute first round. He could not get up. He could not get up. It says a TKO retirement uh, here on Sherdog, and that is exactly what it was. He retired. He beat him into retirement, um, and and that's. That's a part of the game, and and it's a very interesting one because we you know we'll talk about the breakdown of it. But that's a part of the game with Yuri Prohachka. I think maybe people overlook a bit. He has that toughness too, and he's come through those tough fights against those tough people, and that is a part of his game that makes a flashy. We we call him over here in Ireland. I don't know if it's the same river. It's a fancy Dan type of fighter, a special fighter when he has that toughness about him as well. It makes him an absolutely special fighter. And look, is he as tough as Glover to share? I'm not going to say that. I, I wouldn't say so. But he's also no shrinking violent. He's not going to go in there and just be beaten if Glover makes it a tough man's fight, if you want to put it that way. Um, but we, as I said, let's talk about that in one second. I want to just quickly, Hatchka, the way I see him as a fighter. You know, you see the lads up behind me on the wall here, Wonderboy and Anderson and MVP, and maybe not so much Kimba, but those guys are loose, languid, wild fighters on the outside, just to some extent uh, differently between them. But uh, that's what he is. He is a high-volume... I was going to say elusive there, not so much elusive. He does get hit an awful lot, but he moves an awful lot. He gives a lot of different angles to his shots. You don't know what's coming, the variety. It could be a low kick to the calf. It could be a kick to the th- you know the, the top of the leg. It could be a kick to the body. It could be a wheel kick. It could be a punch to the body. It could be a punch to the head with your left or right hand. It could be a hook. It could be a straight. It could be a southpaw hook. It could be a, 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 an orthodox hook. It could be... A, you know, it could be anything with Prohachka, and he moves so well offensively. Now, defensively, sometimes he stands there and he's welcome to get hit. Like Vulcan Odzimir went back and watched that fight, he almost knocked him out. He was very, very, very close to knocking him out. But the thing with Prohachka as well is that f- if you think about that way he fights, where he moves non stop on his feet, non stop with his hands, non stop with offense as well as movement. He's carrying 205 pounds on his back or maybe 220 pounds once he gets into the cage after maybe cutting a bit down. It's grand to see Demetrius Johnson maybe doing that or Dominic Cruz or even, you know, people up at 170 or maybe even 185, but not even 185, I would say, but seeing a 205 pounder doing that, it's very, very tough. So I think for Prohachka, the first two rounds are of the utmost importance here and getting the finish in the first two rounds are of the utmost importance. But I will say it again. He has proven that toughness, and he is a tough guy as well, so I wouldn't rule him out over that, but I think his best chance of winning this fight is in the first two rounds, and Glover Teixeira will know that. And when we talk about the matchup, I think we need to talk about Glover Teixeira getting through those first two rounds. I said earlier on about picking the timing for his wrestling. Pick it at the right time. Get your takedowns at the right time. Win the fight when you need it to be won. If he doesn't take too much damage through two rounds... If he's won one of the rounds, great. But even if he's lost two of the rounds, and Prohashka has, you know, put out a serious amount of his own cardio and used a serious amount of his own uh, petrol tank, 
I think Glover Teixeira will be quite happy with that. I think he'll be quite happy with that position and I think he will attempt to take the fight from there and use what makes him great, that grit, that determination and that skill as well. I also... Look, I, I said I wouldn't rule out Prohashka late because he's a tough guy. I also wouldn't rule, rule out Glover early because I said Prohashka leaves himself very open. And Glover can hit. You know, I, I talked about Glover being an underrated wrestler. Don't get me wrong, this guy can strike as well. And this guy, you know, he's, you, know you know what I mean? He is a very good striker and a very hard striker. And if, like, Vulcan Odzimir is probably, like, Teixeira is probably like a way better version of Vulcan Odzimir. Odzimir took him down uh, and he hit him. If Glover can hit him and take him down as well, it could be a tough night and a very, very tough night for Yuri Prashka. Now, Prashka got up from the takedowns. He didn't get knocked out by the shots as well. Let me say that. But it's Glover to share your fighting here, not Falcon Odzimir as well. So it's a very intriguing fight. I feel like, you know, maybe my prediction is probably Prashka within the first three rounds. But I I feel like I I broke down all the integers of the way this fight could go. And... uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm really, really looking forward to, to seeing it. Um, the co-main event, I'm probably not not as as much looking forward to, to this one as the main event. But uh, look, I think there are ways that Talia Santos can get to uh, to Valentina Shevchenko. Like if you look at her record, she's a, a, a lot of finishes for. Uh, you know, someone in the women's 125 pound division, 60, sorry, 13 of her 19 fights have uh, have been finishes. Surprisingly enough, only three submissions. You know, she is very good on the ground, but 10 knockouts as well. And, you know, sometimes you might think of her because of a few, uh, you know, a few fights recently. Obviously, the last fight against Joanne Wood, she got the, uh, the rear naked choke. And we've seen her on the ground against Molly McCann, where she dominated there. And Roxanne Mataferi, where she took her down there. Maybe you expect a, more, a few more submissions than she is. Obviously, you know, she has very, very good jiu-jitsu. But I, I actually, having gone back and watched her without looking at the record or anything like that, I, I like her just straight boxing down the middle, uh... As a finishing method, maybe not not necessarily in this fight, but as a possible finishing method, you know she she throws hard and she throws nice long punches. You know she's five foot five compared to Valentina Shashinko's five foot five as well, so she won't be outsized. And she is she's a, probably a longer rangier fighter than Valentina Shashinko just in the way that she fights. So maybe that could be one advantage in terms of of the lint and the long shots she does throw, especially when she pushes someone against the cage. Now, if you're talking about the takedowns, if you're talking about the jiu-jitsu, I think getting Valentina Shashinko down is very tough. We saw in the uh, uh, Mara romero Borella fight uh, that she can be outstrengthened against the cage. She can be beaten in the wrestling department and she can be beaten on the ground. And I think if Borella can do that, the her Borella even can do that, or I definitely think Shevchenko can. You know, Shevchenko, you know, she's a Muay Thai specialist, but the, the Thai clinch is a massive part of her game. She's great trips there, so strong there, so strong against the cage. Really good takedown defense, and it's going to be very hard and I, uh, to, to take her down, and I don't think uh, Santos will, honestly. And, and if she does, it, it won't be numerous times, so she needs to, to make the best of it, in my opinion. Um, that... That would lead to Santos needing to to get the fight out of there on the feet, which is probably less of a viable out. But as I said, those straight shots down the middle are uh, are to me her best way to do it. Now, they're her best way to do it against anyone. Against Yashinko, are they a good way to do it? 
Probably, let's be honest, probably not. Like, I've said this numerous times in numerous fights about Valentina Shishinko, but I go and watch her opponent. I go and watch a few of her fights, um, and I kind of see... The good things, maybe someone like a Santos or a, you know, a, a, who was she fighting recently? Uh, Jessica Andrade or Kaylin Chukagan or Jessica I might do or Liz Carmouche, wherever it might be. I go, go and see the good things they do and maybe openings that Valentina could get to do a show like this or wh- whatever other shows I'm, I'm talking about them in or the betting show. Uh, and that's grand. And I kind of get my dossier and my brain about those fighters. And then I go and watch a few Shevchenko fights and I'm thinking, like, oh. Well, that was kind of pointless. <laughs> you know, that was, why would I bother doing that? Shevchenko is just better. And it's the one thing that stands out. And I think anyone, just go and do this. Watch a few Talia Santos fights, right? And just watch two, even watch a round, even watch two or three minutes of a fight. Watch her against the cage. Watch her watch her uh, wrestling and watch her striking. And then go and watch a bit of Shevchenko. And look at the difference in speed. Look at the difference in athleticism. Look at the difference in power that she throws with and the cleanliness of her shots. It's like day and night, you know? And it's not just Tyler Santos. It is everyone in that division. And that's what I talked about earlier. Um, the <laughs> that, that division, everyone else might be a little bit even or everyone else could beat everyone else. But Valentina Shevchenko is... Uh, is unbe- unbeatable. Unbeatable is a weird word. Unbeatable is a weird word. Now, she will be beaten at some stage if she stays in that division. She will be beaten at some stage. It might be Tyler Santos. It might be, you know, it might be Jessica Andrade or two, three, or four, or five, but it might be Casey O'Neill or it might be Tracy Cortez or it might be that fighter that debuts two weeks ago and in five years' time or three years' time is 10 and 0 and is better than Valentina Shachinko. But there will be someone. There will be someone and she will be beaten if she stays in that division or if anyone stays in any division because MMA moves. MMA is not a sport that sits still. It's not, you know, soccer, NFL or baseball or anything like that. It's not a sport that's been around for 100 years, especially in this division at this level. And uh, Valentina Shishinko is like someone who's been around for 100 years compared to everyone else at the moment. But that will uh, will change too. Will it be this weekend? Uh, I don't think so. And obviously I'll have more of my picks and everything like that for this fight and all f- for all the rest of the fights uh, over on on the betting show but yeah all in all I just wanted to kind of make those uh, comparisons maybe between the two divisions and talk a little bit about those two fights um, I will leave it there thank you very much if you haven't seen uh, the rest of my shows on Sherdog.com check them out on our YouTube page on Sherdog.com and as well on Spotify and anywhere you get your podcast apps check out look for the Sherdog Radio Network and you'll find them there with all the other beautiful uh, Sherdog podcasts click the subscribe button click the like give it a, a, a five star review over on Spotify and everywhere else as well alright I will leave it there my name is Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com I'll see you all next time